Welcome to the What If Podcast, where we rewrite sports past, present, and future. We're your hosts, Eddie, Jeet, Cameron, and Michael. Four lifelong friends, each with a unique perspective on sports. And find out, what if Italy made the 2022 World Cup? Hey, what's up, everybody? Um, so we just finished talking about, you know, our last what if, and that was what if Italy made the 2022 World Cup. And as we keep on the theme of the World Cup, recently, I think about a week ago, the groups for the 2022 World Cup in Qatar were announced. And we just wanted to talk about some of the groups, some things that we you know, a group that we find really challenging or some underrated teams or just our general thoughts about these eight groups that we have. So, so yeah, let's get to it. G, do you have any initial thoughts on these groups? Anything that um, strikes you? Yeah, a lot of things strike me, Eddie. First of all, Group A, I think the hosts, Qatar, got a really rough draw. I think Senegal is my dark horse. Senegal, I think, is going to go very far. I'm a big fan of them. Will they have their laser pointers when they travel to Qatar? That's my first question. Oh, yeah. You got to bring them everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Senegal, I think, is going to, they're going to be going into the later stages. Netherlands is a strong team. I think Qatar is out in the first round. Other things, USA got an interesting draw. Feels like we always play England or Iran in the World Cup. And then imagine if it's like Scotland or Wales or Ukraine. That's just like a wild group. A lot of non sports stories going on there. I don't know if USA is going to get very far. I don't know. The team is so strange. It could go far and it could not go far. I have no clue. But overall, I think France is looking to me like they're the favorites. I think they could repeat just because I don't really see any other teams that are really challenging them. Maybe Belgium. I think Germany and Spain are a little weaker this year. Yeah. Senegal is my dark horse. France is my favorites. And I think that's how things are shaping up for me. Nice. Cameron, what, what, what are your thoughts? Eddie, I'd like to start off by saying first, uh, I listened to a recent episode and your voice in the intro is butyracious. If <laughs> so it's smooth, man. It's smooth like butter. <clears throat> um, but my initial thoughts, obviously, I'm going to look at U.S. and their group. I think they have a very manageable group for sure. It's not, you know, a group of death by any means. What was the last World Cup they had? Was it Germany and who's the other? Portugal. Was it? Yeah, it was Portugal. Yeah, so definitely not like the difficulty that was before, but I mean, any one of these games is going to be tough regardless. Even if you see a team like Wales or something, like Gareth Bale just isn't going to be fun to deal with. But yeah, I'm with you, G. Like, it's hard to see one team as being like the absolute favorite. Like, there doesn't seem like there's just one team where it's just like, man, that is a group. Like, it's not like the Spain of old. 
you know, where you'd like look at their lineup top to bottom, like in FIFA or something. And it's just head and shoulders better than every other lineup. So, I mean, Belgium is one that always, like people always are like, oh, this is the year for Belgium. So based on my March Madness picks, where I said KU was full of crap and they ended up winning, Belgium is kind of on that list where everyone always says they're going to be really good and they always somehow find a way to to blow it. So I think this is the year they may uh, figure it out based on the previous things that have happened in non-related sports. But other than that, not too many groups where it's like there's like a big group of death. Like Group C, I think, is going to be tough with kind of Mexico and Poland battling for that second spot there. Also, another uh, Uruguay-Ghana game will be fun. So when you say Belgium will figure it out, how far do you see them going? Oh, I, I don't personally think they go as far, but anything I say on this podcast usually is completely wrong. So I'm trying to like jinx myself, if that makes sense. Okay, that's fair. Cool, cool. Michael, what's up? Not too much, Eddie. How are you? I'm pretty good. Good stuff. This World Cup, man. I agree. No one really, you know, obviously France is a powerhouse. I think Group D looks pretty easy. A call out I have is I don't like seeing repeat groups from previous years. I know France and Denmark played in the group stage a couple years ago. And I hate, I absolutely hate the fact that Brazil is playing the same two teams they're playing in the 2018 group stage, Serbia and Switzerland. I do not want to watch a Switzerland game. I'm sorry. They're going to try to play a 1-0 game. They've tried to do it since 2014. So I'm not too keen on that. I also don't think, even though I naturally support Brazil, my mom is from Brazil, I think they're always full of crap. Everyone thinks they'll make the final and win. And uh, No, they're going to lose in the quarterfinal like they have the last four rounds, whatever. Or they get humiliated in the semifinal. So, no to Brazil. I think it's passed for Belgium. England looks pretty good, man. And I, I had the same kind of thought, G, with like Group B. Like all those teams, man. England, Iran, USA. It could be Ukraine or Scotland versus Wales. Like, let's say it's one of Scotland or Wales in that group. Just like the international relations between all those four countries. It's pretty interesting from a U.S. perspective. History with Iran, England, and then the England history with Wales, Scotland. So that's been something I've been thinking about a bit. Last thing I'll say, I love Group H. That's my favorite group. Not necessarily Group of Death. But the fact that you have a country from four different continents, I could see South Korea getting through. I could see Ghana getting through. Portugal with Cristiano Ronaldo is a bit older. Uruguay, last run for Cavani and Suarez probably. I love that group so much. That's probably the one I'm circling on my calendar. That's Spain-Germany group too. That's going to be a fun group stage matchup for me. Yeah, that looks fun. And I'm with you, Michael. Yeah, that Group G where Brazil's in, it's kind of boring. It's like the same as 2018. And mm-hmm. yeah, Switzerland, the way how they play, I'm not a big fan of how they play either. So, you know, I hear you. I hear you on that. I just hope, I hope Brazil doesn't disappoint. I want them to go far. I want them to, to do something special. But yeah, my thoughts, 
I think Qatar is a sleeper. Not just because of the home team, but I've seen a couple of their games. You know, they've played in a Copa America. Like, I know it's a it's a weird, but they're an invited guest to play in Copa America. Is it Copa America or the Gold Cup? No, they play in the Gold Cup. Gold Cup, my bad. Yeah. And they were pretty entertaining to watch. Even some of the friendlies, when they play such big teams, they, they're not easily beaten, right? They have close games if it's a close win or respectable loss. So, you know, I think Netherlands will win that group, but I think it'll be a battle for second between Qatar and Senegal, frankly. And then another group that really grabbed my attention, I think Group H, that's a group of death, in my opinion. All four teams there, they're pretty good. You never know what Portugal will do. They may be on their A game or they may not. You never know. Uruguay. Yeah, Suarez and Cavani. But I'm really looking at that Darwin Nunes guy. He played against Liverpool in the Champions League, Cameron. He scored in both legs. He's going to move to a big team over the summer. Benfica? or Yeah, the guy from Benfica, yeah. He's from Uruguay, so he is looking dangerous. So, yeah, and then Ghana and South Korea, so... You know, generally, I like to support the African teams. I think the African team that has the best chance of advancing to the next round, I think it's Senegal. So we'll see how that goes. Who do you guys have as like a dark horse? Jeet had already said Senegal, but who do you guys think is kind of a team that's under the radar? It's not like one of the big powerhouse teams that can make some noise. I'm going to go with Canada. I think Canada can make it out of that group. I think Croatia is, they're old now. But I think i think Canada can put up a fight. I don't like that fact that I'm saying this, but I'll go Argentina. Because I'm looking like who, who has the best shot to make it out of their group at the very least. And then from there, it's like matchups and such. Yeah, I'll go Argentina. Why not? I'm not even sure if that's a dark horse, but we'll go with it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't really have an answer. I don't really know that much about all of these countries, but it always seems like there's one, like a Colombia or Croatia or something like that, where they have one player that makes a whole lot of money for himself by just absolutely carrying a country. I guess that should be my, should have been my question is who's going to be like the breakout star? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I know, Eddie, you talked about the dude from Uruguay. Yeah, I'll stick with that. Yeah, I think he'll be the breakout star. I'll say Jonathan David from Canada. Mm. Michael, do you have a breakout star? Oh, Alexander Mitrovic. Serbia. I don't know the young guys anymore, really. So, yeah, Alexander Mitrovic. That dude is underrated. I like him a lot. He's big. He's strong. He's the Mm. top scorer in the championship, I believe. It's an absurd amount of goals. He has like 30 games and 30 goals. It's crazy. There you go. I picked right. Cameron, did you say yours? I have no idea. I'll just pick someone from uh, the U.S. I think Pulisic makes his name, and he actually earns a nice contract on a good club where he gets to actually play. I think that he plays well enough to where another club will be interested and make a move. 
Well, great. It's great that we discussed the the World Cup of 2022 and the um, which we call it, the groups. So yeah, we'll, it'll be interesting to see how this World Cup pans out in November. What's the weather like in Qatar in November? The weather is around 27 degrees Celsius on average, which is six degrees below the average around that time of year. <clears throat> so for our American listeners, <laughs> what is that in Fahrenheit? 27 degrees is approximately 84 degrees Fahrenheit. Not terrible. Somebody check me on that, actually. I want to know if I'm, I'm, I'm right. You're not too far off. It's 80.6. Okay. Pretty good. I'll take it. Yeah. So what would the temperatures have been if they played it in the summer, like normal? In the summer, it would have been 34 degrees Celsius on average, which equates to approximately 102 degrees Fahrenheit. Based on the way that you're talking, I feel like you're making these up. Somebody check me on that, please. <laughs> okay. At least in Doha, Qatar, you're pretty far off on the Celsius. It's 41.2, but you oh. actually got really close to Fahrenheit. It's 106.2 on average. Oh, wow. That's an average? Um, Sorry, average high. Average low oh being 27.7 Celsius, 82 degrees Fahrenheit. It's hot. No, thank you. Eddie, your future uh, career is uh, as a weather forecaster, apparently. Yeah, meteor, meteor, uh, you know the word. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. Hi, everyone. My name is Eddie. So happy to be with you all today. Yeah, so today we're going to talk about the 2022 World Cup, specifically Italy, and how they failed to make the World Cup. Actually, today's topic will be about if they made it. But for those of you who don't know, Italy did not make the 2022 World Cup. This is the second World Cup in a row where they have failed to make the tournament. 2018 was a last time where they missed out and it's crazy um i have a question for you all did you know that we've experienced an apocalypse i did not personally i did did not know that eddie no you didn't know as a matter of fact i thought that was a rhetorical question so i no 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 this was an actual actual uh i wanted some feedback but yeah we've actually experienced two apocalypses. According to the head of Italian Football Federation, Carlo Tavecchio, in 2017, he said that if Italy failed to qualify for the World Cup, it would be an apocalypse. So we've experienced two of them. But yeah. um, Wasn't there one like back in high school too? Didn't they not make it a while ago too? Uh, they made it in the 2014 World Cup, but they lost in the group stage. And speaking of that, like, it's crazy to believe that that was the last World Cup that they were in. The last World Cup game that they played was when Luis Suarez bit, I think, Chiellini. That's who it was. Mm. So that was the that was the last World Cup game. 
so yeah it's crazy but yeah i can talk a little bit about just some context on to how italy missed the 2022 world cup in their group they finished second in their group to switzerland and the fact that they finished second they had to go to a playoff round so they played north macedonia and if they defeated North Macedonia, then they would have played the winner of Portugal and Turkey in the final to determine that final spot to get to the World Cup. But of course, you know, they lost to North Macedonia. So yeah, it was tragic. But today, I just wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, what if Italy made it to the 2022 World Cup? And I wanted to focus on a couple of components. One component is the financial impact, the potential financial impact of Italy advancing to the 2022 World Cup. So here's some context. When Italy last won the World Cup, they received 30 million euros. So 24 million was in prize money and 6 million was just for qualifying. So that was in 2006 alone. However, since 2006, Italy has only amassed a total of 16 million euros in prize money over the course of 16 years, right? So when they advanced in 2010, they got 8 million. And when they advanced to the World Cup in 2014, they got another 8 million. So only 16 million euros over 16 years. But a potential benefit of advancing to the World Cup is a growth in the Italian GDP. So, for instance, when Italy, when they won the Euros, which was this past summer, Euro 2020, which was held in the summer of 2021, when they won, their Italian GDP boosted 4 billion euros. Now, in totality, you know, I read an article that said that it may not have like a, a large significant effect on the economy, but I, I actually pose that question to you at the end. Like what kind of economic impact would this, you know, if Italy were to advance to the World Cup, would it have on the economy, you know, Italian citizens as a whole? But uh, yeah, I just wanted to present that economic outlook. So that was just the Euros. It boosted the economy by $4 billion. So another thing that I wanted to take a look at was the Ballon d'Or Award. For those who don't know, Messi won the Ballon d'Or in 2021. But the way how I see the Ballon d'Or is that they heavily weighted on one, recency, and two, like how well someone does in international competitions. So the Italian player that was likely to compete for the Ballon d'Or was Jorginho. When the Ballon d'Or ceremony took place, it took place late November. And Italy was still trying to qualify for the World Cup in their group. And as I mentioned earlier, they were in a group with Switzerland. And Switzerland was a team that finished first in their group. And they had a matchup with Switzerland. If Italy won this game against Switzerland, then they would have pretty much claimed first place in the group. 
and they would have had a three-point cushion leading up to their final game in the qualifying group stage. And it would have been against Northern Ireland. But in this game, Italy drew Switzerland 1-1. But before the end of the game, there was a chance for Italy to win the game outright. And there was a 90th minute penalty by Jorginho. And Jorginho, he's a midfielder who is very well known for taking penalties in a unique style. But the goalie saved that penalty. And some say that that penalty miss is what cost Italy from advancing to the World Cup. But if he did convert that penalty, my question to you all is, would Messi still have won the Ballon d'Or? Or would it have been Jorginho? And the reason why I don't think Lewandowski would have won the Ballon d'Or at all is because, like I mentioned, the Ballon d'Or, they usually consider international competition, like how well a player does in international competition. And Lewandowski from Poland, Poland doesn't really compete internationally compared to like the likes of Italy and Argentina. So that's my question on that. So yeah, I do have other questions, but I just wanted to pause to see if you had any comments on things that I proposed, or if you think of other things, other scenarios of, you know, what if Italy advanced to the World Cup, what would happen? I, I didn't realize that there was that big of a financial implication on them not making it. And I wonder if them not making it in the last World Cup affected them trying to qualify for this World Cup. It, it doesn't seem like that would be a thing that takes place immediately. Like, I feel like that money goes towards more like youth and things like that. But I, it, it feels like maybe that Italian football is just not trending in the right direction. But it's weird to say that knowing that they won the Euros. So I don't think they were a huge favorite in the Euros, if I remember right. And they kind of like upset some teams, but um, the domestic league isn't doing as good as some of the other leagues are. I mean, especially after you lose a guy like Ronaldo back to the Premier League. And then obviously the international team just not putting it together. But it does feel weird, like even with that financial decline, they should have enough players where they make it out of their own group. It does seem weird to me, though. I, I don't know how, like, the whole European qualification is, but it does feel weird that they have to play in, like, a playoff scenario if they get top two in their group, even with, like, a team like Switzerland, who's pretty solid. I mean, they obviously, like you had said, if they hit that penalty kick, they probably win the group. But it still seems kind of crazy that they have to play in, like, a play-in. Do all the other groups like that? work out like if England and France were in the same group for some reason like would one of them have to do like a play-in tournament type thing to get into the World Cup yeah so yes if England and France were in the same group and let's say England finished second and France finished first then England would have to go to a playoff all the runners up go to the playoff that's kind of crazy but I guess it really entices you to try to win your group. Like I said, though, it, it is weird to think that a country as big as Italy when it comes to soccer and as much history as they have, like, are struggling that much to make the World Cup. But, 
you know, that financial implication, that might, that might be a big part of it. And I'd be interested to see if it, that takes effect down the road when the next World Cup comes up. Yeah, Eddie, I like this topic a lot. <clears throat> and similar to Cameron kind of bringing up the financial component, like, I think you do very well. Like your season one episode, you brought up when Luis Suarez, what if he didn't have the bite? Uh, not the bite, wrong incident, the, the handball. handball. <laughs> what if he didn't have those bites though? Uh, that's another episode. But what if he didn't have that handball against Ghana? And like the financial ramifications from the Ghana Soccer Federation as a result. So I really like this monetary route you kind of take. Along those lines, I have a question. I may miss this. 16 mil in 16 years through FIFA tournaments. How about, do you know how much money they've made through UEFA? I don't know how much they've amassed in their participation in the Euros over the years. I just know that the economic boost that Italy got from their win in the Euros increased their GDP, Italian GDP, by 4 billion euros. But I don't know the prize money that they got like over the years. Got you. It's interesting. I feel, I mean, anytime you have the premier tournaments, like Euros, you know, a step below in regards to the World Cup. I mean, that means like so much money that you're losing from the World Cup, exposure to fans, people, like for example, if you have a superstar for Italy, I don't know if Jorginho would kind of fall under that. I know he's a great player. Sorry. The center midfielder who doesn't run very fast, just very passes like 95% accuracy the whole game. He's not going to be the guy that a world of young football fans are going to be like, that is a superstar. That is my favorite player now. But if you had a guy who is like a 19 year old striker, who's a phenom for Italy, he comes in the world cup, the world's biggest stage. They make a huge run. You know, people may grasp onto him and buy Italy jerseys with that player. It may follow that player moving forward. So you could probably guess my answer to the Messi question. Like, if Jorginho had missed that penalty, would Messi still have won the Ballon d'Or or not? I think it would have been Messi regardless because uh, they won Copa America. Argentina did. But I do want to give a shout out. I have two more talking points. With Jorginho... I've always had this mindset where if you have a penalty taker who does that kind of thing, Neymar kind of does it too, where they go and then they hesitate to see if the goalie is kind of going one way or the other. If I'm the goalie, I know how this player is going to take a penalty. Play with him. Like, act like you're going one way, sell it really hard. And, you know, to be fair, I think this guy's a great keep. I've seen him quite a bit. I don't even know who he plays for. Simmer? Switzerland yeah Jan Sommer yeah I know you're yeah that that guy Sommer props to him man because he sold it very well and got him and the last thing I'll say is like you know Italy Switzerland I don't think of that as a huge rivalry because you know I'm here in the United States but they're neighboring countries I wonder how big of a rivalry that was too and just how big that game was not just for World Cup qualification but you know Italy to the south Switzerland to the north you know, Switzerland's a tough team to beat over the years. So European competition is hard for the World Cup. Yeah, I agree with all the points made. But Eddie, there's something in particular that gets me riled up. 
And that's the notion of Jorginho winning the Ballon d'Or. Because I just think he's the most overrated player. <laughs> I, I don't see what he does. I think he makes a lot of mistakes. And I think he is way more easily replaceable than Messi or Lewandowski. So I was shocked that he was even in consideration. And I think it's just because his team did well that they had to get someone from Chelsea on the list and they just chose him. But I think he's he's one of those players that just kind of bugs me. I don't know why. I think it's because he thinks he should have won the Ballon d'Or because he had these interviews where he was saying like, oh yeah, I think I, sh- I deserve to be in the top three or whatever. And that just, that irks me. Especially when you got someone like Messi and Lewandowski who are like so clearly ahead of him. I don't like that. I, I didn't like that. And by the transitive property, I don't like him. <laughs> no, I just think that that was, that was silly. But yeah, so I think even if he scored those penalties, in my opinion, he should not have been considered. Would they have considered him? I still think there's just such a bias towards strikers or goal scorers that it's going to take a miracle. Like the last non-goal scorer to win the Ballon d'Or was an Italian, Cannavaro, the defender, in like 2006 after they won the World Cup. So it's like you got to win a World Cup and be like the captain and the leader in order to... Gee, I'm going to call you out here, mate. How about your boy Luca? Yeah, that's fair. I guess I'm thinking less like not attacking player. Like Jorginho is not an attacking player, whereas Luca, mm. I would say, is a much more attacking player. I mean, when besides Modric, I mean, when was the last time a non Ronaldo or Messi Ballon d'Or winner was? Like those two guys, it's like automatic that they're like one and two. It feels like like I remember the year Van Dyke. Was that two years ago when he had like the incredible defensive season that he had? Like he probably could have won it, but I mean, with like Jeet said, the amount of goals that those guys score, there's no way. And so I think to me, that kind of negates the international success for me because Ronaldo and Messi both have not been particularly successful. Ronaldo won the Euro once, and Messi was is this the first Copa that he's won? So, like, outside of that, I mean, they've made the tournaments, but they don't have anything to write home about when it comes to international success. So those two guys just dominate the Ballon d'Or. So for me, I don't see how international play plays that huge of a role into it. Unless, like, like you mentioned with, like, Italy winning the World Cup that year. Yeah. No, those are a lot of good points. Um now, Jeet, I'm with you on the Jorginho thing. I, I was, I was, I was telling Sam all the time, like, I don't see what he does. I think it's he's overrated. I agree. I just all the things that you're saying. I didn't think he was. He should not have been in the conversation for top three. He finished third in the Ballon d'Or voting. That's just way too high. But yeah, no, I'm with you on that. I wanted to continue on this financial piece though the financial impact i'm curious to think with the fact that italy keeps missing these world cups 
what impact, if any, do you think it would have on the on the domestic leagues, like Syria, for instance? You know, you hear about these teams like Juve and Inter, especially Inter, how this past season, after they won their league, that they had to sell a whole bunch of players because they're in some financial crisis. Isn't you know, Juve in some like legal issues right now too? I think so. Yeah. Um, Are they going to get demoted or something crazy like that? I don't know the exact facts on that. Does anybody know? I don't, but it seems like a trend for Juve being in financial trouble or just legal trouble. So, yeah. So I wanted to know if there's any impact on, on the domestic league, if any, I was also looking at you know some of the players that were on the roster for the 2014 world cup like considered young players so they're like 20 21 and just kind of assessing how their careers went especially when they hit their prime and i consider prime like 25 to 30 and when i looked at a couple of these players i saw that they were in italy in the domestic league Serie A. For a little bit of their prime, but they spent the bulk of their prime outside of Syria. So, for instance, two key players that were on that 2014 team that were in their 20s are one, El Sharawi, and two, Lorenzo Insigne. So, I saw that El Sharawi, can't say his name, but um, El Sharawi. He was at Milan, but then when he was 27, he moved to China. And usually when people move to China, it's like, for money. You never hear of them again. Yeah, you never hear from them again. But I think it's also because of the money. They probably had like high wage demands and, you know, their club was not meeting it. So that's why they had to go elsewhere, right? Similar to Insignia. I consider him still in his prime. And the fact that he's going to be moving to Major League Soccer to Toronto FC when he's 30, you know, leaving Napoli, you know, I think that's also a big money move, right? So could the fact that Italy keeps missing these World Cups mean that they cannot hold on to, they cannot keep key players, especially in their prime within the domestic league? Is that... Could that be a problem? I, I, I don't know the numbers from this, but I imagine that it's probably something that happens. Like, I remember when the U.S. didn't make the World Cup, the last World Cup. I would have to imagine the TV ratings probably weren't as good as if the U.S. were in the World Cup. It's kind of one of those things where the TV deals are probably a huge part in what makes those leagues run. And so whenever your country isn't in the biggest championship of the world, I wonder if that hurts your ratings and then it hurts like the investment that the TV companies, like the station companies want to make into those leagues and everything. And then obviously that trickles down to the teams and everything. So it, it makes me wonder, what, you know, by Italy not making the World Cup, consecutive years like how how much is that hurting like their television ratings and like the investment of their own country people into watching the games and pouring that money into you know 
helping see the, the benefits for, you know, everyone investing in those clubs, you know, by not having success that, you know, they don't want to invest as much money and those TV deals shrink a little bit and then you can't afford players because the team doesn't get paid money. And that kind of domino effect that comes from that. I, I'd be interested to see the numbers on that and seeing like how much Italians don't watch the World Cup or, you know, don't watch club football because their country just isn't as good. I mean, you look at the U.S., like the U.S. barely ever has success in international football. So there's not a lot of people that watch it in the States. And so they're constantly having issues with paying quality players and things like that. So, Yeah, it's interesting with the domestic leagues. I feel like Italian domestic league, basically the last 10 years, like it's been pretty cut and dry, like what you expect year in and year out. Juve? Juve, 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 Juve. And I'm tired of it, man. I don't want the old lady anymore. Give me some new blood. But it's interesting because if smaller clubs and clubs like Inter, who are very large in stature, I know AC Milan has gone through some ownership changes, which can be a good thing, but they were also in some financial hardship a couple of years ago. What's going to keep on happening is the club that's in the most financial best position, Juve. Now, granted, all the legal stuff will add to that. But how often have we heard about like Juve plucking a star player, maybe not from the Inter Milan or AC Milan or Roma, but the next tier of Italian clubs, like the next star, right? And honestly, I don't think that's good for Italian football domestically. Like have these players go to AC Milan, have them go to Inter Milan, have them go to Roma, Napoli, Lazio. Like I think just kind of personally and also it's better to have more flux year in year out i think Juve is only going to keep on diminishing other clubs i think are going to be improving and i think it's better if there's more peril in the league financially for viewership more people are going to tune in go to games if ac milan is back in the fold as a european power same with enter consistently same thing every year i don't think it's great and those teams yeah. don't have any success in Champions League. That's very true. Yeah, I think also I remember a fact from the 2006 World Cup where every player on that Italian team that won played in Serie A. And now I think that's actually a problem. Like I think Italian players need to leave Serie A in order for the Italian team to be better. Because like you look at France... They've got players all over the world, ton of different leagues, and they're doing really well. I think that's something that Italy might need to do because their league is struggling so much. And like you're saying, Eddie, they're just not up to the standards that they used to be. And I think that's probably going to hurt the league more. But I don't know. I, it feels like maybe the Italian league is going to turn into a French league where there's just like such a big divide. But the good thing about the Italian league is that they have such history that there are going to be people who are going to be interested in it no matter what. But yeah, I don't know. Do you guys think that Italy could have won the World Cup based on like what you saw in the Euros if they would have qualified? I think they would have been considered favorites if they advanced to the World Cup mainly due to their victory in the in the Euros. 
And would they have won it? I'm not sure. I think one thing that's also pretty, you know, I can probably empathize with, with Italy maybe is because just the fact they started the World Cup qualifying stage in March of last year. They played like the first three games and then they went into the Euros and then all of that. And then when they resumed their World Cup qualifying campaign, they only won one game of the next five. Maybe the fact that having such a major tournament in the middle of the World Cup qualifying campaign kind of threw them off. And it's hard to fathom why it would throw them off. One would think it would give them momentum, but maybe the fact that they were on this high or just, just a congestion of games and they just got tired. I don't know. But I could probably empathize with them a little bit on that regard. And the fact that they did not lose a single game and they still don't make it. But at the same time, they had a lot of chances to make it. To answer your question, I think they would have been favorites. I don't think they would have won the World Cup, especially if I'm basing it off of the form that they exhibited after the Euros. Yeah, their strikers can't score for whatever reason. They got Chiro Immobile, who was like one of the top scorers in Serie A, but he, he can't score for Italy. He only has, I saw a stat, he has like 50-some appearances, he only has 15 goals. Like, that's, that's not good at all. Yeah, it's crazy to me to think that like based on their success only last year, like they would have to be considered one of the better teams in the field for sure if they would have made it in as opposed to one of the other, I don't know who's going to be the one that's replacing them, but they're certainly not better than Italy. So it's just weird to think that we're talking about a team that would have had a chance to make a deep run, but it just didn't happen. Yeah, I feel like of any club, any club, any country. I wonder as a fan, and obviously like not making a World Cup. Yeah, not good, especially for Italy. And even the World Cups they did make recently, 2014, they bowed out of the group stage. I remember there was a beautiful goal, Andre Berlo. He had the ball run through his legs. Marquisio had a beautiful goal. But they lost in the group stage, lost in the group stage in 2010. And I saw a thing, they have one win in the World Cup since 2006. And that was when they were already out from the group stage in 2014, they beat England. But I also wonder as a fan, like you can't win them all. You know, we're not talking Pokemon. You can't catch them all. You can't win them all. It's just not going to happen in a tournament that happens every four years. Or even if you include the Euros, right? You have that every every four years too. So what's worse? not making the World Cup in two consecutive runs, but you get a Euro in between. Or let's say you make it to the Euros, you make it to the knockout stage, you lose in the first round, and the same thing happens to the World Cup. You get to the round of 16 in the World Cup, out of the group stage, but you just lose in that round. If you're a fan of Italy, what do you prefer? I mean, like, U.S. won the Gold Cup, but, you know, it's the Gold Cup. Like, I'd much rather have a chance to win the world cup right mm-hmm. I, I love a chance to win the big one just not being a part of it just i feel like it's such a huge hit it's like the old adage of like 
like this is a conversation for like me being an OU fan every year. Like, would you rather make it to the college football playoff and lose and just like never really have a chance of beating that team or play in like a New Year's Six Bowl? So, for example, for like two years ago, OU didn't make the college football playoff, but they slaughtered Florida in the Cotton Bowl. So, yeah, we, that's all good and all, but, you know, you're not a part of the big conversation. You're like, you're not in the, the big tournament. Like, I'd much rather be there and have a chance as opposed to winning some other tournament that's just, I mean, the Euro is a really big tournament. It's not the Gold Cup. Like, I'm comparing apples and oranges there, but still, I think the big one is still more important than the lesser one in my eyes. Mm. Yeah, that's a tough one, Michael. It's just when you miss the World Cup, it feels like everyone's at a party that you didn't get an invite to. I feel like sometimes that's worse than at least getting kicked out of the party. I guess the analogy doesn't really hold up there, but I don't know how much Italians care about the Euros compared to the World Cup. I'm sure they were really happy about winning the Euros, but I mean, the World Cup is the World Cup. I just feel like it has that special something that just makes it so much more important just to be there. Yeah, like the whole world is talking about it. And you're not a part of it. That would suck. I mean, it sucked for us when we weren't there. We can win all the gold cups in the world, man. And I, not being a part of it and like the theme song when you're turning it on and like having all the stuff going on, you're just like, there's Costa Rica. Good for them. Like, I've never been there before, but look at all these Americans that didn't make it. They're not better than those guys sucks michael you want to answer did you answer your question i don't think i did just to play devil's advocate i'm gonna go the other way give me the win it sucks don't get me wrong like the last world cup 2014 hopefully they make it in 2026 hey track record doesn't speak too kindly to italy these last couple rounds eh but yeah i don't know i think international glory like you get that one run it's kind of like virginia we're going from sport to sport here, but college basketball a couple years ago, they're the first number one seed in men's college basketball history to lose to a 16 seed. The very next year, they win the national championship. And it's interesting. You take the good with the bad. And yeah, there are only so I, many winners. So I disagree with that, though, because that would be like if they got knocked out from the first 16 seed and then they went and won the NIT the next year. Oh, that's a decent. I like that. Kevin. That's pretty good. Does, yeah. that, does that change the way you think at all? Like, if you're you're a Mizzou fan, would you rather have them win six games and go to a bowl game against Army, or would you rather have them make it to the SEC championship game, but then they get smacked by, like, Alabama or LSU or somebody? Yeah. For context, Mizzou did play Army in the bowl game. They did lose. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, for sure. I would definitely want them to make the SEC championship game. I think that comparison, like a bowl game, which no one's really going to talk about outside if you're an Army or Mizzou fan, it's not the same as the Euros, which I would argue is the second best international tournament in men's soccer. But I understand the premise. It's it's really tough. And it's also every four years. That's another component. Like, we're not talking annually. So you got to wait a whole four years to make it back again. But it's a really tough one for sure. For devil's advocate. Let's win the Euros, man. 
Eddie, how about you? To close it out, I think it's a no-brainer for me. Advancing to the World Cup every time is something that I would prefer. Oh, but you asked as a fan. Shoot. <laughs> I was thinking oh, like yeah. <laughs> if I was like like an, an, an administrator like of Italian football or something. Mm. I would like to see consistency every single year. So the fact that I see the team is advancing to the World Cup every year, that shows some consistency. I don't see anything fundamentally wrong. Um, we can just get better. But by winning a Euro in the midst of these gaps of not attending a World Cup, I think that just, it covers the roots of the problem. So I'd rather address the roots of the problem and get consistent appearances in the World Cup. And I think it's fair to say as a fan, I would like to think I would I would believe that as a fan, but that that could change. But I'll just stick with that. Well, great. Thanks everyone for chiming in. You know, we talked a little bit about Italy and what if they made the 2022 World Cup. Also talked about what we thought about them missing out. So yeah. Sorry to the Italian fans out there. If you're listening to this, we should put a trigger warning at the beginning saying, you know, you may be reliving some trauma. So apologies, but um, I hope you found it educational nonetheless. All right. With that being said, take care and we will catch you later. Bye. Thanks for listening to the What If Podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts so you'll know when we've released a new episode. And check out our social media pages on Instagram and Twitter at WhatIfPodSTL. Again, that's at WhatIfPodSTL. Stay tuned as we continue to reimagine the world of sports. Eddie, I'd like to start off by saying first, uh, I listened to a recent episode and your voice in the intro is butyracious. It's, it's smooth, man. It's smooth like butter. I don't like that. I, I didn't like that. And by the transitive property, I don't like him. <laughs> no, I just think that that was, that was silly. Juve? Juve? Juve, 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 Juve. Eddie, your future uh, career is uh, as a weather forecaster, apparently. Yeah, meteor, meteor, uh, you know the word. It feels like everyone's at a party that you didn't get an invite to. I feel like sometimes that's worse than at least getting kicked out of the party. The What If Podcast, produced by Michael Kelly.